You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. And so, just to give us a setting of where we're at, it's interesting to me when we look at this particular passage that the Apostle Paul says that he was unhindered. Do you remember that from the reading? Paul says, I was unhindered and I preached with confidence. And I thought that was an interesting way to phrase it because in this particular time when Paul's writing, he's writing from prison. And so it's interesting that Paul would say, I am unhindered while he is actually hindered in chains in prison. So just to catch us up on where we were at, uh, Paul has made his long journey from Jerusalem through all the different parts of the world, and he's finally arrived at his destination, which is Rome. He'd been working for some years to get to the point where he could arrive at Rome. We can remember from the scriptures that he wrote a letter to the people in Rome, the book of Romans, as we know it today. And he let them know years prior that he eagerly anticipated the day when he could be present with them. And yet the way that he got there probably wasn't the way that he intended. I think that he hoped to get there and to have the freedom to move about the city. But unfortunately, what had happened along the way is that because he was going along and preaching the good news of Jesus, this upset a few people and they brought false accusations against Paul. That happens just as much today, right, as we might expect it back then. And so Paul has been falsely accused at this point of starting riots and disrespecting God's temple in Jerusalem. Now, it's not true. He didn't do these things. But that was one of the angles some folks were taking to try to trip Paul up. So Paul was arrested, but because he was at the same time a Roman citizen, he couldn't be tried in Jerusalem. And Paul kept making these appeals to say, I appeal to Caesar. Y'all remember Caesar from our history classes? And as a Roman citizen, Paul had the right to appeal and eventually have his case heard in the highest court in the land, which would be the emperor. So while this may not be the tactic most of us would want to use, what Paul is doing is recognizing that the circumstances he is in, the only way he's going to get to Rome is if he continues to appeal his case where he's been falsely accused up to the highest courts. So at this point, what happens is that he is in Rome. He's been brought there under these charges. And I think it's interesting because we begin to wonder, well, why was he stuck in Rome for two years through the end of the book of Acts? And what happened? Well, it's kind of like our court system now. They just get bogged down. So he was there waiting for two years for his trial to be heard. And their courts, I guess, run like our courts, and there was a backlog. So while he was there, he had to just wait under house arrest. And I wonder sometimes if Paul got to thinking, or if we kind of look at this and think, is this really how God's plan was going to unfold for Paul? We remember chapters before where he has this blinding revelation of who Jesus is, and he meets Jesus on the side of the road, and his life is transformed, and he's told he's going to be the one to take the good news to all the Gentiles. And we keep thinking, like, is this God's plan? But somehow Paul has the perspective to see this uh, unfortunate twist of events as an opportunity. And Paul is able to embrace this as an opportunity. And in fact, he's able to see this as an opportunity for God's glory. I don't think this is an easy perspective to have. Uh, My hunch is that Paul had to work at this. And as I thought about it, this quote that I've often come back to came to me. Uh, Michael Hyatt writes that sometimes a perceived obstacle is an opportunity in disguise. Ever the optimist, Michael Hyatt is. 
But, but I think that this is really true in Paul's case, that a perceived obstacle, and we would perceive, I would perceive, uh, being imprisoned, right, or under house arrest as an obstacle. And yet somehow Paul is able to both see and live this as an opportunity. And so what I want us to do today is understand how Paul did this, because it can help us when we face an obstacle to get a better sense of how God might be working in and through us in that time. So we're going to look at that this morning as we do that. I want to remind the kids too, like we've got a couple of things that we've hopefully handed you on the way in where you can follow along with today's message. You can let us know which song was the most interesting to you. Um, so kids, I want to encourage you to do that. And uh, grandparents and parents, feel free to help them along with that too. So as I mentioned, Paul was in Rome and he was awaiting trial. And the way that this would have looked like was that he was permitted to have his own residence. So he rented an apartment in Rome, maybe a couple of stories up. He paid for it out of the finances that he had. And so he's, in a sense, somewhat free and self-sufficient. But part of the condition of his arrest was that, was that there would be a Roman guard next to him at all times. And the Roman guard would have a chain that linked them to Paul. And so Paul would have a light chain around his wrist that linked him to the guard. And every four hours or so, the guard shifted. And so that guard was relieved, and they got to go, and another one came in. But, of course, Paul was always in these chains. So not, not locked up like we might think. He still had free use, but there was always this guard, this soldier next to him. And that's going to become really important a little bit more down the road in the Scripture today. But just to try to give us a sense of what this looked like, obviously there weren't cameras back then, uh, but thankfully people have kind of given us some artist renderings of these. And I think these can help us to see that, for example, in this one here, there's a guard who's kind of lightly chained. So Paul has some freedom of movement, some opportunity to write all these different letters to these churches. He also has the freedom to welcome anybody who wants to come. Paul can't go out and live his life as he would like. He's not free to roam around Rome. <laughs> but he's free to welcome anyone who will to come to him. So he reaches out in this time and invites anyone. He invites the Jewish leadership that's in Rome. He invites followers of the way Christians in Rome to come to him. He invites all these others, anyone who will listen to come to his place so they can sit and talk together. And so we can see here, for example, Paul uh, perhaps dictating a letter to someone else who will write it. Another example here, the guard kind of looking on. And what I like about this picture is a reminder that as Paul writes these words, words of encouragement and words of challenge to Christians, someone else is looking on. And I don't think that they understood that their guard duty of Paul would do this, but they were learning at the elbow of the master the entire time. So as Paul sat and talked with folks, these Roman guards, these soldiers were always sitting next to him, always listening and always present. And we can see this in the scriptures, a few before the one we read today. Paul writes, this is why I asked to see you and speak with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. And sometimes we take that as a metaphor, like he's bound with this chain. No, he was actually kind of bound with a chain. And we see that in the scripture. And he's inviting people to come and speak with him to learn about the hope of Israel. In Philippians, when Paul is writing one of those letters from this place, he says, the whole Praetorian guard... And everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ. 
And how could they not? They were chained next to him and they had to listen and overhear and read over his shoulder every conversation that he had and wrote about. And my hunch is that this would be a very inconvenient way to live our life, to have someone change. I actually thought maybe a sermon illustration as I preached was to have one of you kind of volunteer to come up and like have us put like a little chain on our arms the entire time. But I didn't want to make one of you stand here the entire time and kind of listen to me that way, right? But that's the idea is that this entire time it's this inconvenient reality of being hindered because you're attached to this person. But again, Paul sees freedom where others just see a hindrance. And so when he says in the scripture that Brian read for us that he lived unhindered, that what he's saying is that he was not prevented, that he was free, and that he was without restriction. And so the question that I have is, with the things that hinder us, how might we live unhindered also? Paul gives us a great example of how we can live unhindered. And I put that in brackets and parentheses there because what we're going to look at this morning is that there are a lot of ways that we are hindered. Paul wasn't metaphorically talking about a chain. There was an actual chain there. There was an actual house arrest. There was an actual trial. There were actual hindrances. But his faith allowed him to live unhindered. And I think that becomes the key for us and for Paul. So Paul can't go wherever he wants, but he can invite others to come in. And these Roman guards are listening. And I got to thinking about that this week as a model for how we might live in the world too. And it reminds me that the primary way that we ought to share the good news of Jesus is through relationships. Throughout this series, we've talked about some of the more in-your-face ways of sharing the good news with someone else. We've talked about some of the more harmful ways of doing that. And what we've seen is that most often, Paul and the other disciples would first try to meet someone's tangible need and then say, you know, I'm doing these things because of God's love for me, as opposed to kind of beginning in a heavy-handed way. And so as these guards are listening, and perhaps at times even dialoguing and talking with Paul, there was no reason that they couldn't have a conversation with Paul and Paul with them. He's also inviting um, Jewish people who are living in Rome to come as he shares about the truth that Jesus has come in the flesh and this is our Messiah the one who was promised to us throughout the scriptures. And he's inviting these Christians in Rome to come and to hear what has happened and to be encouraged and to pray together. And what's interesting to me in this passage is that Paul is not looking to break these chains. There's a lot of examples in scripture where God invites us or calls us to think about how we break chains that have bound others. We talk a lot about breaking chains of oppression, breaking chains of injustice, breaking chains that would trap people or keep them uh, from fully experiencing the love of God and and the power of community, fully being themselves. And this reminds me that there is a time for breaking chains. But in Paul's case here, he didn't see these chains as something that needed to be broken in that moment. For Paul, these chains are not actually hindering him from doing the things that he was called to do. So I want to look this morning at at an idea that has become popular, at least a phrase that's become popular in the last 
maybe a decade or so, this idea of living on mission. Maybe you've heard that before. That's often kind of been offered to people in the church to say, uh, we're, we're supposed to live on mission. And I think it sounds really great. And sometimes we're like, yeah, let's, let's live on mission. You're like, I don't know what that means, actually. What Paul is doing is, is living on mission. Luke tells us in the book of Acts here that Paul rented a little place for himself and went about his day-to-day life. He had a place that he rented, so, which meant that he had to have some way to either have income or provide income for himself. It's not clear from Scripture or from history what he might have done, but we know throughout his career that he often uh, made tents, kind of physically made tents for people to live in as a way of providing for himself and for the ministry that he did. Uh, in today's world, and we would call it, he was bivocational. He had two different vocations. So Paul was doing some things that would allow him to continue to live and work in this format. What I want you to see is that Paul continued, for the most part, his day-to-day life. And as he went about the day-to-day ordinary stuff, he was finding ways to share and to live the good news of Jesus. Sometimes we think that living on mission means I have to go far away to a faraway place with a different culture, language, and custom to really be of use to God. And while I think that that is true, I think that is true for probably the small percentage of followers of Jesus and that Jesus calls 99% of people to live faithfully in the everyday life where they already are. The job where they're at, the school where they're at, the home where they're at, the neighborhood where they're at, to live on mission. Quite simply, living on mission is just a more conscious way of sharing the good news of Jesus in our day-to-day life and doing that with our actions and with our words. Sometimes with our actions more than with our words, but never forgetting to tell people the hope that we have when there's an opportunity. And if we think about this from the perspective of Paul, this is a good perspective for us because if you are chained to someone and you want to tell them something that may challenge them, like you ought to shift your entire worldview and your faith to this person called Jesus. You don't want to be mean to them in the process. Uh, there's other words we could use if it wasn't kind of like sit together Sunday, right? You, you, if you come across too strong or you just berate them and belittle them and tell them how bad of a person that they are, then why in the world are they going to want to listen? Paul had to be chained to these people, so he probably had to build up a friendly rapport. And, and I don't think I really need to convince you too much that the best way to share the love of Jesus is not with heavy-handed tactics, but with a reminder that we are, in a sense, chained in relationship to one another. The people that you live next to, the people that you work with, the kids that you go to school with, we see them every day. And so we want to be cognizant that we are in relationship with them. For for the guards who were chained to Paul, they had the unique opportunity to listen in and to learn the good news of Jesus at the elbow of Paul, at the side of Paul. And I think this is why he said, yes, I'm hindered, but I'm unhindered. Because while Rome seeks to keep me on house arrest so I don't run away or flee, I still have all the opportunity in the world to share the good news with other people. And Paul simply lived in such a way where he could be in relation with these folks and with these individuals. So there's a power for us in our daily routines 
Each day we do the same thing with the same people for the most part. And if we can become more and more aware each day of what God is doing around us and and in their lives through conversation and relationship, then it'll open the door for us to share good news. It'll even open the door for them to share encouragement with us. It goes both ways. So I want to ask us this morning, when have we been attached and learned at the elbow of another? You don't have to answer this one, but I want to invite you to think about this idea. When in your life have you been attached in some way to someone else where you were learning a trade kind of at their elbow? You needed to stay close to them to learn what you were doing. This morning, I think about us, and I recognize that I think many of us, especially in this current situation and climate in the world, feel hindered. I feel physically hindered this morning by wearing a mask. And I think like Paul, our circles have become a lot smaller in the last two years almost at this point. I am aware that for me, this is a hindrance. And it frustrates me because I can't, as a pastor, get out in the community and meet and greet people in the way that I was used to, in the way that I like to, in the way that I think God has called me to do. And so there are times when I just say to myself, I'm so, I'm so frustrated because this pandemic has so hindered what I feel called to do in terms of my profession. And, and I get frustrated on a personal note too because I think that this situation has so hindered my ability to be in relationship with other people, right? whether it's a community or a bigger picture. And I wonder if you can articulate for yourself in your mind those same frustrations too of, I was used to be able to do this, and now I can't, and I feel hindered. And I almost hear Paul in the background saying, is it though? Is it a hindrance? So I want to invite you to think this morning, how have you been hindered? How has your circle become smaller? What are you missing out on while chained to this COVID world that we live in? We're hindered by masks and distancing and quarantine. We're hindered by the decisions or or non-decision of someone else. We're hindered in our daily relationships with God and with family. We're also hindered by, by sin and weakness that we have within ourselves, by brokenness in the world that has an effect on us. And it's almost like Paul's saying to the church then and to us now, that's one way to see it. That's one way to see it. But as a follower of Jesus, there is another opportunity. And what Paul wants us to see is that nothing at any point in time ever stopped the good news of the gospel going forward. Throughout the book of Acts, there was all kinds of opportunities. We looked at some of those where there should have been a natural just stopping point. Like, that's as good as this is going to get. Like, it's not going to go any further. There was all kinds of calamities that happened to Paul through no fault of his own or through the fault of someone else or because of the enemy. And yet, there's never a sense in which the good news of Jesus was ever hindered. So the good news will always be unhindered. And we will always be able to live unhindered if we can look at the world around us, whether it's good or bad, and ask God the question, what is it that I can still do? How are you still working in this time and space? 
So the question for us this morning is, how can we live unhindered? And I want to invite you to put a couple of relationships in your mind to kind of picture a few folks. I want you to picture in your, in your mind your closest neighbors, uh, whether that's an apartment complex and you've got some above and below or side to side, just, just folks that you know, even some that you may not know. Uh, your neighbors in your house where you live, on your street, the people that are around you. I want you to think also of uh, the people that you see on a day to day. I kind of went through my day. The next people that I oftentimes see are my family. Uh, they are chained to me, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and the next people that we often see are the folks at uh, drop-off. So when we walk the kids to school, we see the same people at drop-off each day. And so there's a sense in which I am attached to them and they to me. I don't work in a, a large place. Uh, not all the staff is together at one time in the space, but I realize that for me, there's a couple of relationships, not just those that I'm attached to as a staff, but there's businesses next door to ours, next to our space that there is an attachment to. We're physically attached to the same wall. And I began to realize this week that for all the ways that I can focus on how I'm hindered, there are still more than enough opportunities to live faithfully for Jesus each day. And this happened this week as I was uh, on a Zoom call. I haven't found a lot of grace in Zoom calls over the last year and a half, but I did this particular week. Uh, I'm part of the Rotary of Horizon West, the Rotary Club, and we have pivoted back to being online on Zoom in the last couple of months. And one of the things they asked me to do as a pastor is to offer the blessing for the group for Rotary. It's just like whenever there's a dinner to be had, everyone makes me pray. Y'all can pray too. But they get so excited when I pop into the Zoom and, and the leader of it, Terry, she says, I'm so glad you're here, Brian. Will you do our blessing today? And I've learned there's kind of two ways to go about that, to just, just kind of offer a quick prayer and kind of move on. But what I learned this week was this was an opportunity for me to really think about the people that I'm seeing on the screen that I'm chained to on Zoom and to ask, what are they facing? Where are they struggling? How are they feeling hindered? And can I offer a short non-denominational blessing for them that will just help to remind them that God is present with us? And I don't know if it accomplished that at all, but it was a reminder to me that there are opportunities before us where we are chained and attached to other people, and we can be a blessing if we will allow ourselves to see beyond the hindrances that we have. The attachments that we have right now are not hindering the word of God. And while we might desire different attachments, I want to invite us to embrace what is. We talked about this idea as we began about being stuck in an elevator. And who would we want to be stuck in an elevator with? And we all picked people that we would actually want to be with. No one said, like, I want to pick, like, the person that I like the least, the kid who is not the nicest to me, right? The boss that just berates me. Because like Paul, we're smart enough to know to put people in our circles that will encourage us. Uh, those who are online said a couple of things. Um, the kids online for Heather said, someone who knows how to fix the elevator. And I thought that was very wise. Uh, Pamela Maddox said her husband because he keeps her calm, right? And it's this idea that we tend to kind of gravitate towards people that are most like us. And we're stuck in those situations. We realize how relationships need to go. So I simply want to encourage us this morning to, yes, understand that we do feel hindered in many ways right now. And in some ways, the hindrances that we have 
are good for the protection of others and ourselves. But at the same time, too, to begin to look a lot deeper and ask the question, God, what is it that you're doing? How can I be a service to someone else today? And I want to end by reminding us that sometimes when Paul shared the gospel with someone, they were excited and they responded and they decided they wanted to follow Jesus too. And then a lot of times they just said, no, thank you. That's not for me. I don't want to talk about that. And they walked away. Paul's faithfulness to Jesus sometimes brought success and sometimes brought what we would call failure. What I want to remind us this morning is that our task is to be faithful, whether it's met with rejection when we're trying to share love or whether it's met with response. Whatever the case, God has invited us to follow Jesus in that way. And so I want to end our study of the book of Acts with the last verse that we read today as a reminder to us to live unhindered and with complete confidence like Paul as he continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.